0: You know, how do we work with clients and customers and things like that? And it's not about them coming to us or us having these fancy offices and all, you know, the nice leather chair in the corner, right? Like it's people want to work with people they like and enjoy working with. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. And that's kind of what we we approach that.
1: Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 42 of the Do Well and Do Good podcast. I'm so excited to tell you about today's guest, but before I do that, I want to make sure you're following me on Instagram. It's the best place to stay on top of what's going on with this show and to really get a peek into my own personal life and the lessons that I'm learning on this journey. You can find me at Dorothy Ilson. That's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-I-L-L-S-O-N. Today's guest is actually someone who has had a massive impact on my own business over the last 18 months. His name is Joshua Lance, and he's the founder and managing director of Lance CPA Group, a virtual CPA firm that focuses on providing services to craft breweries and digital agencies. Josh's passion and talent for serving small businesses is not only clear to his clients, but it's also earning him industry wide recognition. He was recently honored as part of CPA Practice Advisors' 40 Under 40 list for 2018. I've known Josh for some time as a phenomenal CPA, but what I recently learned about him and the reason he's here with me today is because Josh actually offers pro bono accounting services to nonprofits to help advance their missions. Not only that, but he's a co-founder of Socially Beneficial Investments, an organization which helps provide housing to immigrants. In this episode, Josh talks about how he dared to be different by creating a firm that rejects the typical disregard of work-life balance in his industry. He shares what it was like for him when he took that leap to quit his job and why their commitment to being vulnerable is one of his firm's greatest assets. I know you're going to love this one. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Josh Lance. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm thrilled to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: You know, it's kind of funny. Whenever I tell people about your company, I always end up thinking back to that iconic mean girl scene and tell people, they're not like regular accountants. They're cool accountants. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I mean, as a business owner, when I was researching accounting firms online, I felt like I was swimming in a sea of sameness straight out of 1999 (laughs) until I landed on your site. I really think you guys defy all the typical stereotypes of an accounting firm. So I'm curious, what was your vision when you started Lance CPA and how are you different from the other players out there?
0: Uh, So when I started Lance CPA Group, I did it, taken some history of, I worked in a large CPA firm for a number of years and uh, learned things, you know, about CPA practices that I liked and didn't like. And I really, when I started, wanted to have a firm that that really prided itself or, or valued itself on giving people their work-life balance and, and the kind of life that they want to live outside of work and, and not have work be the be-all-end-all, all, you know, not be somewhere where people work 80 hours a week and don't see their families and have to come to an office every day. And so when I started, I really wanted to have something that could be virtual, um, that allowed people to work from home, work whenever fit their schedule, and, and really was able to serve our clients well in that way. Technology existed out there and I just thought, hey, let's just try something differently. Um, take the things I didn't like about public accounting and let's do the opposite of that and, and see what happens. So that's kind of how we got birth here.
1: You know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever actually told you this, but um, so we share an alma mater. We both went to Miami University, and I actually studied accounting, which I think I've never mentioned to you because I want to be able to ask you dumb questions since I was a of it. <laughs> yeah. But I actually ended up not going into accounting for that very reason you're talking about, you know, kind of the, the stereotype of, you know, complete lack of work life balance, kind of the hell of busy season and never seeing your family and all this stuff. I mean, it sounds like it's probably a pretty unique mindset that you had about wanting to put work-life balance first. What were the reactions in the industry when you told people about your vision? You know, was it something that was kind of immediately accepted and taken seriously, or was that a challenge?
0: It was a bit of a challenge, uh, particularly with people I worked with in the past. It was something that people didn't quite get or grasp or understand, like, is that even possible? Um, luckily, I was able to find a group of other accountants that felt similar as I did, and uh, was able to learn from them and get community with them to kind of help build my firm, build my practice. So, I think that was pretty crucial at the beginning was finding other people that said, "Yeah, I, I agree too. That's not the best way to go about doing it. Let's let's work together and figure out what the best way is." So, find that group of other CPAs was uh, hugely formative because the people around me or the people I knew in the industry were once saying, like, that's not going to work. Why would everyone want to do that? Like. People want to see you. They want to come to your office. They want to hang out there. It's like, no, they don't. No one wants to come to our office, right? (laughs) No one wants, you know, it's just a different kind of idea of, like, you know, how do we work with clients and customers and things like that? And it's not about them coming to us or us having these fancy offices and all, you know, the nice leather chair in the corner, right? Like, it's people want to work with people they like and enjoy working with. And you can do that a lot of different ways. And that's kind of how we approach that.
1: Yeah. And I think your personality really shines through in your marketing and that's obvious. Um, So it's so cool. And I'm curious, you know, you said that you worked for a long time at at a traditional accounting firm before starting Lance CPA. Was starting your own firm always a goal of yours or was this something that sort of emerged during your time as an accountant?
0: Not really. (laughs) I've always been kind of an entrepreneur at heart. In college, I, I started my own business and ran it while I was there. You know, as a kid, I was, you know, always doing the lemonade stands and uh, I was even going door to door selling lemonade because it's, you know, it's like, yeah, hey, I, I, you know, I had that kind of idea, like I want to run a business and run it well, right. And do things that are not typical of, of what you think there. So it was not my, my dream to own a see pay practice or run that. But as I started kind of looking at starting my own business, what that looked like, and personally, the seasonal life that I was in, it I uh, started to make a lot of sense of, of starting a CBA practice because that's what I knew and that's what I'm knowledgeable about and made sense to go that direction versus just picking some other random business or some other random thing and say, okay, I'm going to do that. So, you know, it was never really my thought or dream to do this, but after getting into doing it, I really kind of have this passion of serving small businesses and, and helping people out and it was a way for me to kind of put that passion into practice in this, in this manner.
1: What was it like when you first took that leap, when you quit your job to do this? Tell me that story.
0: Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny. So when I, I was working, I, I left public accounting and worked for an ultra high north family office. And I was working there only for like five months. And they, come to, they came to me and said, hey, uh, we're going to move our offices from Chicago to San Francisco in a year. And uh, you can come with us if you want, but you've been here for five months. So we don't want to you know, like pressure you into doing that. Uh, and at that time, my wife and I were in the adoption process for our son, and it's like, okay, we might leave Chicago in the midst of that, uh, all of our families in the Midwest. It's like, we can't do that. So I kind of had this time window of, of working them for this additional year and kind of thinking, what am I going to do when this is done? So that's where I started to kind of think about starting a CPA practice. Um, my time with them kind of ended uh, and I started my firm and I got a call from an affiliate family office saying, Hey, we got that same job you're working at before. You're now in Chicago with our family office and we to go do it. And so I don't have my firm running for about three months. And I was like, sure, I'm gonna go do that. Like, I was like, Hey, this is this secure, steady thing. I have a young son now. Like this is the responsible thing to do. And I did it. And I hated it. I was like, I got there and it's like, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I had no passion for that. I had a passion for what I was starting to create. And so after about six months there, really kind of pushed the pedal to metal and uh, ramping up my CPA practice and uh, left it shortly thereafter. So I kind of did that jump off the cliff and then like, you know, as I'm falling down, I was like, oh, I grab onto a branch on the side and uh, and then realized like, no, I actually have to jump and do this and so. I would imagine
1: that that decision was in a large way probably rooted in fear. Would you say that's accurate?
0: Yeah, it's it's a fear of, you know, what if happened if this doesn't work? What if I spend all this money trying to get the CPA practice up and running and then and traction, my idea was a terrible idea and no one would want to work in this way. And and so there was this easy thing that kind of came down my path. And it's like, oh, I've done that before. I know how to do that. I think once I got kind of past that fear, it was really this realization of what am I really meant to be doing? And where's my passions best utilized? And it wasn't working for someone else and just doing the grind day in and day out it was okay let's let's do something where I can actually kind of build my own path my own uh, way forward and I think once I once I jumped in and, and took that job and I was working there for a while I realized that and it made me even more want to then you know kind of move past that fear and say okay I'm going to do this and give this a go and uh, and if it fails it fails but I have to let it fail I can't just jump out for it to happen so that really kind of give me the impetus to really kind of push forward and keep going
1: so taking that leap for the second time, I imagine it wasn't like, okay, you left that job and really started your own firm and it was all smooth sailing from there. I imagine that there were a lot of challenges. Could you talk a little bit about those early months?
0: You know, when you run your own business, you know, you have to do, you have to do everything. Like it's, you know, you have your own skill set of what you know and what you're good at, but you also have to figure out, okay, website, Like how do I do a website? Like I don't know how to do a website. I don't have money to spend for websites. So I got to figure that part out. Uh, I gotta do marketing. I gotta do, uh, sales and networking. And so you can have to learn all these other little skills that maybe you kind of knew already have done before, but you got to do it in a different way. And so just that kind of learning process of like figuring out all these things that I didn't know I had to do, but realize you have to do and figure out and do it. Well, uh, I think was a, a kind of step there. I, I remember, I remember I was going to do this big, uh, this kind of like tax symposium thing for small businesses. And I advertised it and it's like, all right, I'm going to teach you all you need to know about taxes for small businesses. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna, this is going to be great. i do it and like five people show up and like two people leave like five minutes into it. I'm giving this presentation. I'm really talking to no one at that point. And it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. But I did then kind of figure out, like, okay, well, that way of advertising the small businesses was not the right way. It really helped me kind of like, you know, say, okay, let's think creatively about what I want to do going forward here and not just do the typical things and kind of fail in that regard. It's going kind to of help me open my eyes, like, okay, how can we be creative in this, in this way and, and try different things and see what works. And, and for us, it was really doing a lot of content marketing and blogging and social media where you didn't see a lot of accounting firms do that. That was not something that accounting firms did, right? Uh, accounting firms had websites that haven't changed in 20 years and uh, they all look the same and they all the same information in it and the same tax calculators and, Uh, And so it's like, okay, what could we do something different? What if we made our accounting firm look like a startup or something that wasn't an accounting firm, but you know.
1: And you really did. I mean, I know everyone's going to go check out your website after they listen to this. But for me, like when I was looking at firms, I knew within, I'm not kidding, two minutes of being on your website that these were the guys I was going to end up hiring um, just because it was so different from everything else I was seeing. And so I know that, you know, you have this vision of, you know, employees first, having work-life balance within your firm. How did you create that culture from the ground up when it's, you know, really kind of unheard of in this industry?
0: Part of it's really finding the, the right people that buy into it. So we started initially looking in the idea of like, I want to hire some people to work with me. It's finding people that bought into that, but it's also kind of creating that, that vision for them and saying, okay, working at Lanceville Group looks like for them. What do we do that may not be accustomed to, right? So working remotely and virtually sounds great for a lot of people, but in practice, that's a somewhat difficult. it's, you have know, distractions at home, you have, you know, you're trying to fit things in with family and all that stuff. And so I'm um, really just kind of giving the vision of like, hey, what does this actually look like? What do we expect? What are we looking for from them? Or one of our values we have in our firm is is taking risks and being okay, like, hey, I'm going to try something. And if it fails, Okay that's almost as good as having it succeed because we're going to learn a lot from that failure uh, really empowering our team to take those risks and try things out and figure things out. Uh, and even come to me and say, you know what, Josh, the way you're doing that's not the right way. And let's try a different way. And uh, having that kind of open and honest dialogue that allows for people to really be invested in what you're doing. And that all kind of helps build that culture where even though we all work remotely and we, don't see each other on a day-to-day basis. Physically, we still have that kind of bond and that kind of relationship that we've built through that culture that we've created in our company.
1: I've heard you say that another one of your firm values is something called courageous authenticity. What does that mean?
0: We kind of, I kind of label as kind of being transparent and vulnerable and honest, right? So I think, especially in a lot of professional service firms, you know, most of them have like a, a value of being honest or honesty or trust or something like that. But they don't value the vulnerability or transparency that can come with that. And so for a lot of people, when they work in those firms, it's very static. And like you go with the flow and you don't make any waves. And, and that's just not how, who we are. We want, to be, we want our team and everyone in our company to be vulnerable with each other and transparent. And, uh, and I think that really kind of fosters a, uh, an environment where people can actually be themselves and not be afraid of being different or uh, not be afraid of not fitting in with the status quo or anything like that that they can truly be who they are and express who they are without fear or repercussion that that's going to come back and bite them, um, which is typically not what happens in professional service room. You start being who you are and they kind of kick you to the side because you're not, you're not following the company line. So that was really important for us that we had that kind of transparency and that vulnerability built into who we are and, and that extends to everyone. So that extends to our team being transparent and, and vulnerable with me and saying, Hey Josh, this is not, we don't think we should be doing this anymore or we let's try something totally different or the way you just, you know, the, the process you created sucks. We don't want to do that. Right. So let's figure out a different way. Right. And so I have to be able to take that too. And we'll, we'll be willing to take, you know, that, that honest feedback from them as well. So uh crazy stuff and this is real huge, you know, it's our kind of our number one value and it's really kind of what sets the tone for the whole company.
1: I just love that. And I think from the perspective of one of your clients, I definitely notice that kind of realness about you and about everyone who works with you. It's, very unlike the relationship that I've had with bookkeepers in the past, or even like I, I feel like my lawyer is a great kind of comparison. Like it's all just very stuffy, very formal. But when I'm emailing with you know you and your team, like you're just real people. you know, like there's no facade that you're putting up. And I think that that is something that really makes me as a client feel more comfortable about you and, and that you really care about me and my business, you know, on that human to human level, not just from this, like, we want you as a client, we want your money kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I'm curious, Josh, you know, what advice would you give to entrepreneurial people who are looking to do their own thing in industries that are so entrenched in kind of this bigger is better type of mentality, like accounting or, or legal services, for example?
0: It's okay, it's okay to be different. I think the kind of the disruption that some of these traditional industries are having are, are, are good things, and it's okay to push against that, particularly as younger generations kind of taking the reins and, and kind of moving into those leadership positions in that type of industry, being willing to say, okay, we're going to be different and we're going to do something different and take that risk. I think we have a lot more freedom with you know, the internet and being able to really you know, communicate work with people across the country and the world. Um, And take those risks and and find people who are willing to go down that path with you. Um, And I think the other part of it too is finding other people in your own industry who are trying to do the same thing and kind of banding together and learn from each other. Because when you're trying to create your own path or do your own thing that's different from what everyone else is doing, it can be kind of lonely. You can kind of think, you know, there's a lot of self-doubt that comes into that. But when you have other people like going down that same thing, it's like, yeah, I think think we're on to something here. And you're kind of working with each other, kind of help each other out. I think that becomes really powerful as, as you try to do different things or try to take those kind of bold risks and start your own business, uh, particularly in industries that are very old and entrenched and things like that. And it, it can be hard, but I think there's also that room now to be able to do that and do that well.
1: People are everything. And I think no matter what your vision is, if you look hard enough, you're going to find people who, who share that and kind of buy into it. Cool. So Josh, I know that giving back is something that you're very passionate about. Tell me a little more about that.
0: I think it's, you know, at least from my own skill set, right? Not everyone is cut out to be an accountant or understand accounting things or tax things, right? For A lot of people that just is speaking another language or it's too complicated. They don't want to deal with it. And I found just working with people in my own community and, you know, individuals that I know that people need, you know, this kind of help that you can give. And it's important to give that freely and not try to be like, okay, well, I'm only going to do it if I get paid for it, right? I think a lot of people have different gifts and talents and then to give that kind of freely and to invest in other people without trying to expect anything or return. I think it's really important for me, at least, you know, I, I have a lot of friends and family who, you know, have come to me and say, Hey, I'm struggling trying to put together a budget or I'm struggling trying to deal with my own finances. Can you help me out? Be able to use my set to help them out. I think it's really rewarding and really kind of awesome to see them kind of take that knowledge and advice I've given them and to change their own course and their own path and, and do that. So um, and that extends then to working with you know, other people like nonprofits. So we worked with a number of nonprofits where they, they don't have necessarily the money or the budget to pay for good accounting advice or tax advice, and it's important. So it's one of those things where we can give where uh, maybe we can't make a financial donation to them, although we like to. Uh, we can also give them this kind of knowledge and this kind of in-kind donation of like, hey, let's help you figure this out, or let's put together your budget, or let's do your nonprofit tax return. Uh, and help them out in that way, and that's really kind of a gift to them because they're, you know, these nonprofits are really out there trying to help as many people as they possibly can, and, and do really amazing things. And they need the support of other people who share their vision and be able to use their own skills to come alongside them and, and help them out. And so we've uh, we've done that with a number of nonprofits and, and people and individuals where we've been able to come in and. And provide that expertise to them and really help them out without this, like, okay, well, we need to get something back because that's not what it's about. Like, we need to be able to be able to freely give out to others uh, and, and see how that you know, helps them, helps them flourish uh, as a result.
1: I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that it's easy to get stuck in this mentality that you know, when it comes to giving back, it's all about money and you know, what can you donate. But it, it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I think no matter who you are out there listening to this, even you have skills. Whether it be, you know, maybe you're, you know, you're decent in Photoshop and you could help a nonprofit put together a flyer or an email newsletter or something like that, you know, or you have technical skills like you do to be able to offer. There are so many ways to give back that aren't just about money, but can actually end up saving these nonprofits insane amounts. Like what they would have to pay to go hire a firm like yours is staggering. Tell me about socially beneficial investments.
0: Yeah, so it was uh, a friend of mine um, kind of came up with this idea of, uh, he had a, a colleague who worked at this non-for-profit in Aurora, uh, Illinois, and their kind of goal was to help people who are immigrants and or who are other low-income try to kind of work into homeownership. So they kind of do these rent-to-own situations to help them kind of build up a down payment and ultimately get there so then they can all go and buy their own house. But what they were struggling with is they, okay, you know, they had a few properties under their name, but they didn't actually, they are running out of space. They had so much demand of people who needed this, but they didn't have the space to provide or the resources to provide for that. And so my friend who knew them kind of came to me and said, hey, Ike, what if we kind of came up a way where we can gather people we know and have them, you know, we all go in together and, and buy real estate, but we buy real estate and then we partner with these non for profits to be able to use it and uh, basically rent it to them at below, below market rents. So then they can utilize it and and provide these opportunities to other people. So uh, we acquired our first property about uh, one or three years ago, and we've had multiple families now live in it and uh, ultimately be able to basically live there, save up some money, and then be able to kind of graduate from there and buy their own house. So it's really kind of exciting and rewarding to kind of see that kind of come fruition and and be able to kind of pull from our own community uh, to say, hey, would you be willing to invest a thousand bucks to go do this? Uh, and see what this result is from that so that's worked really well we're, we're looking at doing our second property here shortly you know work with another nonprofit and kind of do a similar type of thing so you know it's one of these things where it's not we're not doing this or create this company and make a bunch of money we create because we you know we're able to kind of cobble our resources together and say okay how can we help out uh and the way uh and partner with organizations already doing the good work out there uh, and provide them the resources they need so they can further that work that's
1: absolutely remarkable. I mean, I don't know how much you actually know about the families who are in that first property, but are there any stories you can share about you know, any of the people who have been impacted by this?
0: Particularly in Aurora, Illinois, it's pretty low income um, and has a large immigrant race, particularly from Latin America. Um, and so there's been a number of families who moved there because they know people there. And and right now we have two families. We, the place we buy was a, 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 basically a duplex. And so we have two families living there right now. Both um, had recently immigrated into the country in the last 12 months, uh, and so um, they were able to get connected to this nonprofit. This nonprofit then uh, was able to then use, utilize our house, the bring them in there and have them live there. So it's exciting that you know we have. Basically, I think we have 10 people under under our, our roof right now. And within a couple of years, those people graduate out; they'll move out because they can now buy a house and have their own place, and, and have that equity that comes from that. So um, it puts them on a good financial foot in in the future uh, in a way they probably wouldn't be able to do it initially because they just moved here. They didn't have a like, job or resources to qualify for a traditional loan. So we've now been able to kind of set them on that path. Then that nonprofit works with our nonprofits to get them job training and get them placed in the, into positions. And so it's kind of this community of different people and different organizations coming together and really rallying behind these families so that they can come to America and actually, you know, find success and and have the life that they were trying to get to when they came to America. So it's really kind of exciting to see this kind of come to fruition.
1: It's such an inspirational story too, because I think that it's not necessarily uncommon for someone to have, you know, that seed of an idea of oh, wouldn't it be cool if, but for your friend to, you know, have that thought and then come to you and then the two of you to really, you know, gather people around you who could turn that vision into a reality. And now it is you know, affecting 10 people who are living under this roof and having an opportunity that they otherwise you know, wouldn't see available to them. It's truly amazing.
0: Uh, it's, it's exciting and it's, it'll be exciting to see them graduate out and be able to go to their house that they bought and uh, save with their own money and, and just see, you know, the progress they've made from that. So we're uh, excited about doing that and we're excited to get in their house under our portfolio so we can do that and expand that reach some more.
1: That's so empowering. Absolutely remarkable. Well, Josh, I just hate to cut this short. It is unbelievable, but unfortunately we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. This is where I'll ask you a series of short questions and I'd like for you to basically respond with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yep. All right. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success?
0: Uh, it's definitely been my dad, just seeing him uh, and the kind of work ethic he's had and the things he's done for our family. You know, he was one of the first people in this family to get a college education and, uh, and really kind of values education, really values like doing good work and the value of what work is. And so he's kind of taught and still all of that to me. And so uh, that's where I've kind of gotten that from.
1: Oh, he's got to be so insanely proud of everything you're doing. That's awesome. Then who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and really make an impact?
0: I would have to I would say my wife. I, I think she's been a huge supporter of kind of my dreams and what I've done so far, right? And, and been willing to take those risks with me. And, uh, but she's also really good at kind of seeing areas where, you know, I can do that good and kind of foster and support that. So definitely my wife.
1: And Josh, when you're having a bad day, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Kind of going along with this, any regular personal development practices, anything like that?
0: I don't know if this is a like personal development practice per se, but uh, when I'm in a funk, I typically watch episodes of The Office as a way to kind of get myself out of there. I mean, just a way to kind of like chill and relax and just kind of see, you know, not everything has to be super important, serious. All the time. that kind of usually gets me out of my funk and...
1: You know, I love that answer because most of the answers I get to that question, you know, are all talking about like meditation or gratitude practices or all these things, which are amazing. But sometimes, like when we're really in that place, like this actually happened to me, like just in the last week, where I kind of got myself into a a screwy headspace and I was feeling really negative. And when you're in that, it can be hard to, you know, okay, what am I grateful for? And you just want to say, screw it. And so taking your mind completely off it and just doing something like watching a funny show or whatever is such a great way to kind of reset of that. So, Josh, what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often?
0: I would say I'm a big fan of, uh, base camp and the, the two guys who started Basecamp, Jason Fried, Um, and so they've had some books. Rework, uh, was actually really instrumental in me trying to like figure out like, okay, I'm going to actually make the jump off and do my own thing. They have a recent book that was, it doesn't have to be crazy at work, which is what if you really kind of rethought how work actually was structured and what looked like. And because me, as I run a company, it's very easy for me to be like, all right, I'm going to work all the time. And like, it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm on a computer. And like, that's not necessarily the right balance or the right things you're all been trying to get to. Um, and so that's been really a good book recently that I've been, that I've been into.
1: You know, I have to ask, since you brought that up, I know that the Basecamp guys, they really are um, vocal advocates for remote work. Any tips that you have for businesses who maybe, you know, want to go the remote direction but are afraid to make that
0: jump? It really comes down to one, for me at least, is having a place where I can kind of get away in my own house and then have that kind of quiet and, able you to know, kind of put my head down and do work. But I think secondly, too, particularly as you look at the day in like companies, is really being that champion of it and saying, all right, like, we think remote work is a value for our company in the future. Whoever's champion needs to be the one who's actually doing it and, and that well. So for us, you know, our whole team is remote. I think that's really valuable and it works really well, but that wouldn't have worked if I then was working in an office myself five days a week, whatever, right? Like I have to be practicing what I'm preaching and, and working remotely and from home as well. So
1: it's got to come from the top for sure. Then, Josh, what is the best piece of advice related to happiness that you would give our listeners?
0: I think it's one. It's it's just to kind of relax and slow down. Uh, I think it's very easy to like be always turning at the wheel and always kind of pushing ahead, and just kind of relax and slow down and kind of just observing the world around you. I think is really kind of helpful from that. But also, for me, it's also kind of the concept of enough, right? I think it's it's so easy to be like wanting more and like I need to do more things and. It's always more, 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 and just to be able to kind of say, All right, what is enough? What's just enough for me? Uh, and once you kind of define that and realize that you kind of you know can see, I fit within that. Like that's I can be really happy doing that. I don't have to always be turning at the wheel to to get success. Figuring out what what enough is for me is important. So.
1: Well, then Josh, as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. This is where I encourage our listeners who do want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by my guests. Could you tell me what organization you'll be nominating and why it's so meaningful to you?
0: Yeah. So the organization that I'm nominating is Hope for the Day. Um, they are big advocates in helping provide education and resources for mental health and suicide prevention. Um, and I know at least my own family, how important having those advocates are and uh, just seeing, you know, how that's impacted our company. We've we've only known the hope for the day guys probably for a year now, but being able to work with them and do different things with them recently has really kind of expanded that reach of like how important this work is and seeing what they've been able to do to basically save people's lives as a result. So, So that's who we are. We are now hope for the day.
1: Anyone who is interested, will link to uh, Hope for the Day in the show notes so you can find all the info there. And lastly, Josh, before we say goodbye, where should our listeners go to learn more about you, about Lance CPA, and to follow your content?
0: Yeah, they can go to our website, LanceCPA.com, uh, and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lancecpa Group. That's the, probably the best place to get us, or they can email me directly at josh at LanceCPA.com.
1: I love it. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. The second way you can participate is absolutely free and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to Co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening.